Hi friends and welcome back to our podcast, Healing the Broken Marriage. We are your hosts. I'm Alicia. And I'm Brian. And we just want to welcome you guys back to our podcast. We hope that you guys have just been loving the content that we are bringing to you each week. Also, we wanted to remind you to go check out our website, makingbeautywiththeashes.com. You can pretty much find out everything that you need to know about us or want to know about us on our website. It's my book, Making Beauty with the Ashes, How God Saved My Marriage, which was really the inspiration behind this podcast. So hopping into today's episode, we are going to talk about why do we do what we don't want to do? <laughs> and that can be like a pretty broad um, range of answers whenever you hear that statement. Why do we do what we don't want to do? And so, Brian, I'm just going to let you head things off at the top of this podcast. So just thinking back in your own life, things that you've done or things that maybe even things that you don't want to do, um, how would you like just take us on your journey of, you know, why do we do things that we don't want to do? in Brian's life? Well, that's a, that's a loaded question. I'm, I mean, I think, um, for me, it's just, it was just, it was bad decisions for one. It wasn't thinking about, I think a lot of it is we don't think about the future and like how our decisions are going to affect us or our children later on in life. Um, I know with our kids, even we tell them to, you know, try to think ahead, you know, if decisions are making to think ahead, whether it's a career or whatever it is to always try to think ahead of how that decision is going to affect you later in life. And I think the older you get, cause you hear a lot of people, even a lot of older folks talk about bad decisions they made, whether it's financial or whether it's relationship or it could be anything. You know, it's like a lot of times we get to a certain age and we look back and we're like, man, I wish I would have made a different decision or I wish I would have done things differently. And we can't dwell on that. We can't dwell because we can't go back. So we can't dwell on it and we can't let it. But we can let it affect our decisions in the future at that present time. So, I mean, for me, there's so many, you know, there is, there's, I have, I've got a lot of regrets, you know, from everything from our marriage, things I did wrong, to relationship with my kids, things I did wrong, to career goals that I had when I was in high school that I didn't make happen. And, you know, there's, but I can't go back and change those. I can only um, use those as learning tools to make the right decisions on the future of the rest of the life I do have left on earth. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, even like you were saying, you were kind of going down the path of like things that you regret that you did or things that you regret that you didn't do. But even thinking about like why we do what we don't want to do, even in terms of like, I don't know, even something like super, super positive, you're just kind of like, oh, I want to lose all of this excess weight. And then, you know, five years down the road, you still have all the excess weight and maybe more than you had, you know, prior to that. 
And I think that some of it can be procrastination. You know, a lot of times we think, oh, well, if we procrastinate, you know, we're not, we're not really doing any harm. We're just, you know, postponing it for a later date. But procrastination really can kill a lot of dreams because procrastination can keep you from doing those things that you want to do or even those things that you ought to do, like things that God has put on your heart to do that are good things, you know, good things that he has for you. A lot of times we can procrastinate those to not even existing. And, you know, we've talked about before, God's plans for us are always good, but we have to be willing participants in his plans for us, which is, isn't it just a crazy thing to think about is his plans for us are actually so good that we want these plans ourselves, but he won't force these on us. He wants us to participate in these plans. He wants us to agree with these plans and not a lot of times, but I think oftentimes we can either delay them or we can postpone them or we can inevitably abort them because of our denial to even partner with them. You know, I think if we could see big picture and see, wow, that thing God has for me is so good. Why would I not want to say yes? But so often we do through things like, I don't know, maybe we think we know better or maybe we procrastinate, you know, say for instance, Brian, if God put like a business idea on your heart, like he just dropped this entrepreneur idea in your brain, this thing, and it was all God inspired. It was all God inspired in your brain, you know, because we're not this clever (laughs) to think of these grand ideas. He pops it in your brain and That's his part. And so now what he needs us to do is to do the foot motion forward. So what if we have this brilliant God idea put in our brain and it stays in our brain and we do nothing with it? I mean, obviously, if you don't do anything with it, you're not going to reap the rewards. Right. um, Or the benefits of it. So it's just it just falls void, you know, if. And then there has been people that has had ideas in the past that from dreams and stuff, they said that are from God, they believe that they used, you know, to better not all their lives, but you could better your children and grandchildren. It depends on how big of an idea it is, but it could go down. It could follow on for generations. But yeah, it, it don't matter whether it's a business decision or a relationship decision or. And there's there's that's why we pray, you know, it's just even decisions that our church is, is making our pastor. I said, we're going to pray about it and see, you know, what we, we're going to go to God in prayer and see what, you know, he has and what answers he has for us because our church is growing and we're making a lot of decisions. But one thing our pastor always says is, you know, we're going to pray about it and see which direction God wants us to go. So, you know, it could, like I said, I think anything in life, any decision we really need to go to God and just, you know, be open-minded to what, and sometimes, sometimes the hardest part is you don't get the answer you want. Sometimes you get the opposite. He tells you to do the opposite of what you think is best. 
And that's when we got to like sit back and take the back seat and realize that God's in control and he knows what's best for us. I really like what you said. And it made me think of this scripture in Romans. It's uh, Romans 14. And this is where Paul is talking. And he says, this is this, uh, this whole section is called struggling with sin. And it says, so the trouble is not with the law for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is a sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am really not the one doing wrong. It is sin in me that does it. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. The power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. And the reason I wanted to share this scripture is because Paul, I think, is just so perfectly describing all of us how we want so much to do the right thing. And then with all of that might that we want to do the right thing, we do the wrong thing. (laughs) And it's like, it's this inward battle within our minds constantly, within our bodies to do God's law, to do the right thing, to inevitably, you know, treat people well, to treat ourselves well, to treat our children's well, to to treat our spouse well. But we inevitably do the opposite of what we want. So Brian, talk into that a little bit. Why do you think, just like Paul was saying, this inward struggle that he has to do the right thing, why do you think that is? Well, I mean, obviously it's our flesh. You know, it says we battle against our flesh. And I mean, there's been times when I just, you know, I'm like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be like that. And, but I am. I mean, that's exactly what the Bible is relating to. And, you know, you can even in the even in the in the world where people might not have a spiritual side to them or a church background, there's still people that make mistakes that you will hear them say, I don't know why I did that or I'm not like that. This isn't nor this isn't me. You know, I just I feel so bad for doing what I did. They might not have any type of spiritual background at all or church upbringing. But, you know, that, too, even though they don't that is stated in the Bible as well. So exactly what it was saying in scripture, I mean, still to this day, people are living that out. You know, they're living that regret. And sometimes people don't understand, you know, some people might even say, what's wrong with me? You know, I'm not like that. I don't know why I did the things I did, or I'm doing the things I'm doing. And they don't realize that it's the battle of your flesh and try and, I mean, you basically just have to die to your flesh and allow God to, come and reign in your life in every aspect to get rid of that. But, you know, it is, and, and, and it might not be nothing, you know, there's, there's even things where, 
I'm not saying that, you know, you have to commit murder or you have to have sexual sins or, I mean, it it could be even small things where, you know, I don't want to be like this, but I am, or I don't want to do that, but my flesh does, you know, does those things. It could be, it could be the smallest of things. It could be even unforgiveness or bitterness, or, you know, you might um, hold something against somebody. You might um, covet something that somebody else has, you know, a new car or something. And you're just like, you're jealous. And you're like, when you sit back and think about it, you're like, I'm not like that. I don't want to be like that. So, you know, it can be a multitude of things, you know, just not on the greater spectrum, but it could be even small things. But yeah, it's like, it's a, that's why it was spoken about in the Bible thousands of years ago. And it's still happening to this day. But, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a thing of dying to our flesh and not allowing our flesh to rule us. I know. Well, and even when you say that statement, that has always been one where I'm like, what does that even mean to die to your flesh? Do you kill your skin? Like, (laughs) honestly, when you hear people, because, you know, I've lived in church and so have you, Brian, I'm sure a lot of listeners on here have either lived in church their whole life or they've been in some church setting where they hear people make that statement. You need to die to your flesh. You need to die to your flesh. But what does that mean? Like practically speaking, when you tell, say you're talking to a new believer and they're struggling with something, they're like, I want to do this, but my flesh, but I keep doing this thing I don't want to do. And as a believer, we say, you know, like you were saying, we need to die to our flesh. But they might not even know what you're talking about when you say those things. So how can you break that down in your, like, how you understand it to mean? Like, how would you describe to someone that they need to die to their flesh? I think the, I think the, the, the best way for me, I mean, the way I understand it best because going through that is, is your flesh is always hungry. Your flesh is always going to be hungry for the things of the world. And like I said, it might not be. I mean, if you allow it to, it will go to the greatest extents that you allow it. I mean, it will go down the darkest, deepest roads that you allow it. But your flesh is, I mean, like I said, it could be, it could be the smallest things. It could be jealousy. It could be um, you're jealous of your neighbor because they got a new car. Um, it could be food. You know, it's just you don't have, uh, you know, the strength to not overindulge it it could be you know and it could go on to the greatest of sins um you know murder or lust or infidelity or pornography if you allow your flesh to rule over you and for it to hunger after the things of the world which it always will your flesh won't hunger after the things of god it's it's going to take you down a road and it's going to travel as far as you allow it to but I think being back in that air area at one time in my own life, I think when you find God and you're broken and there's that brokenness and you start hungering after things of God and you start allowing God to feed into you and to your flesh. I mean, it's just like, it's like anything, any, anybody who partakes of something, whether it's a human being or an animal, at some point, they're going to get full. So, say, you know, we go we go out to eat and we sit down at a meal. And there's times when I just, like, indulge to the point where I can't eat no more. And I say, and you'll say, you're the waiter. A good example is, like, you just eat and eat and eat. 
And the waiter comes by and says, are we having dessert tonight? And you look at each other like, oh my goodness, there is no way I could eat anything else. I'm so full. So that being said, if, if we indulge in the things of God and we allow him to fill us up and only him to fill us up, he will never leave us hungry in a way where our flesh will desire the world. So if we are filled up with God and we're feasting off of what he has for us, when the world comes to us and says, hey, I have this to offer to you, and we're going to be in a place where we're like, no, we're so full and filled up. We can never eat that. And I mean, for me, that's the way I best understand is because if you allow God to fill you up and to feast off of what he has for us, we're not going to desire what the world has for us. And once you get to a certain place, it actually, for me, like the thing is, you know, I said somebody to some, something to somebody the other day, you know, just because I had a drinking problem. I'm like, I can't even think about whiskey anymore because it makes me sick, almost sick of my stomach to think about the taste. And it will, it's like, once you get free of that, your body will be repulsed of certain things just to even hear or to speak about them. So, you know, it's like your hunger, your fleshly hunger gets replaced with the hunger of God. God fills you up completely and wholly where you don't have no desire or taste for what the world has to offer. I like what you were, how you categorize that as like a hunger. Like, what do you put in you? And, you know, and I was just even thinking, like, as you were coming out of that lifestyle and you were like, I am no longer going to drink. Well, that taste or that desire to drink did not go away right away. And so what I'm thinking you probably had to do is what you would normally feed yourself when those high times of anxiety or stress or in those moments where you would go grab the liquor, that's the moment where you need to intentionally grab something else. Like grab a Pepsi, grab a Coke, grab the Bible, (laughs) you know, but replacing that hunger, what you're talking about with something else that will actually benefit your soul and not um, take away from your soul. And so I think that, and, and like I was just even thinking as you're talking, um, that, you know, somebody who's new and they're like, well, how do I die to my flesh? How do I die to my flesh? And I really feel like, say, maybe if it's somebody who's maybe come out of, you know, you got saved and you've had this pornography issue, you've just had this issue. And so I would even say to that person, Like you were talking about feeding something. Well, what does lust want? Lust wants to see. It wants to see. It wants to see. It wants to see more and see more and see more. And so what I would even suggest is to starve the thing and then feed something else. Like, you know, for instance, um, whatever, say like you're somebody who you just got saved or maybe you've been in, maybe you've been saved for a long time. I don't want to be like, you know, there's not Christians who watch porn because sure, of course there is. I don't think that you should. I think it's, it's not good for you at all. And it definitely feeds something, whatever you watch, whatever you listen to, whatever you ingest, you're feeding something inside and whatever you're feeding will grow. And so I'm saying like, okay, when you feel that need, 
to watch something. That's the time where you need to change your scenery. Like, I don't know, maybe you, you always watch porn in a certain room. You go in that room and you have the desire. Get out of that room. Um, I would even take whatever device you use and get rid of it and get a whole new TV. Get a, You know, put up boundaries for success around yourself. That is a way of dying to your flesh because you are intentionally taking steps to kill that thing that's been growing. Because if you stop feeding it, it's going to stop growing. Or if you got a habit. I mean, it could be... You'll be be drinking like if you're struggling with drinking or anything uh smoking i know an individual who quit smoking because of what they decided they were going to do they decided they were going to send all the money what they were spending on cigarettes each each month they're going to quit smoking and they did it like immediately from what i understand it was done like overnight pretty much one day is like okay i'm gonna quit smoking and I'm going to make this money that I'm spending each month on cigarettes worth something in somebody else's life. And they took all the money that they were spending on that habit and addiction and started sending it to emissions uh, funds, to emissions across, you know, across the world. And they started, uh, they started supporting this individual family basically off of it. So that gave them purpose. All of a sudden, what they were addicted to, what their bad habit was. They were taking that money that was going into that and they quit that addiction immediately and they started funding a family to help them financially in, in the mission field. So that gave them drive. It gave them purpose to do that. So, you know, if, if you do, if you have a, if, especially for people in the church world, and you know, it's like we have, there's just people that struggle with that stuff, with addictions, with drinking, you know, and, and alcohol, uh, tobacco, sometimes even drugs, hardcore drugs that's in inside the church walls. And, you know, I just... And pornography. Yeah, and pornography. So I just encourage you, like, if you want to quit, set that money aside and be like, okay, I'm not just going to save that money, but I'm going to take that money because you're throwing it in the garbage anyways with those addictions. And I'm going to take that money and I'll put it to use and I'm going to affect somebody else's life in a positive way. And invest in somebody, invest in somebody else's life with that money. And it's, it's not only God's not only going to bless you, but he's going to, I guarantee he's going to break the chains of that addiction off of you. I like that. It's taking a negative thing that was in your life and flipping it to a positive and even taking those funds that he was using and immediately putting them somewhere else is basically taking the funds out of his hands. He's like, well, I can't afford cigarettes anymore because that money's gone. <laughs> so, so basically Today, we just wanted to talk to you about these things in your life that you you don't like that you do them, but you do them anyways. And I just want to let you know today, if you haven't heard it from us already, because I know that we talk about this quite a bit, is you can change. If you see something in your life, if you see something in your marriage, if you see something in your family, whatever it is and you don't like it, then change it. And the best place to start is with yourself. Because say there's behavior things going on with your kids. Well, you can't really change, you know, that issue, like however they're responding. And 
you know, a lot of times when a kid responds negatively or just in a over exaggerated reaction, there's usually a reason why and how we respond to that child will either amplify it or, or deescalate it. And so we not, we may not be able to uh, control how that situation um, occurs, but we can control if that situation is escalated or de-escalated by how we choose to respond. And so in every situation, we have a choice. We have the power within ourselves to, to change. We, like we've said many times, you're not a tree. You can't, you're not stuck. You can get up and move. You can do something different. If, you, if you're in a career you don't like, change it. You know, if you're in a relationship and it's not going so well, find out what you can do to make things better on your end and then reassess the situation after that. If it's still, you know, you're making all of these changes and the other person isn't reciprocating or they, nothing's, you know, just reevaluate it at that point. But do take the steps that you can take to get where you are going because no one will get there for you. You know, if you want to be, you know, A, B, and C, and you're still at A, well, somebody's not going to come up along beside you and get you there. You have to take these steps for you. Just like God, he, he could very easily just boom, pick you up and move you. You know, he, he could do this. He literally could do this because he's God. He could move you forward and do exactly what he wants to do in your life, but he doesn't. He wants to he wants you to choose. He wants to partner with you. He wants you to learn. I mean, everything that we go through in life, we're learning something. We're growing. We're growing our identity. We're growing our personality. We're growing into the person we are created to be every day. And I just want to encourage you guys, you know, like we have said many times, there's something in your life you don't like you don't like how it's going. You don't, maybe you don't even like how you're responding to a situation. Change it. Find something that you can do. And sometimes it, it takes taking a step back and looking at the situation differently. Trying to see all sides of the story. Trying to see multiple perspectives and not just your own because your perspective is not the alpha perspective in every situation or argument or whatever your will your desires is not the alpha if you take a step back and you start saying okay now why did they react in that way or why did they say that or why did this happen and looking at it differently will help you either in that situation or in future situations either to to choose something different or to not repeat history And so we just really hope that this podcast has encouraged you guys to do something different, try something different, learn something new, but never, ever, ever stop growing. We just thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please like, share, rate, review. Check out our website, makingbeautywiththeashes.com. Until next time, we bless bless you. you.